So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life. The only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. Everyday Connection with your hosts, Rico Shields and Jean Victoria Norlock. Bringing your inner light to your everyday life. Welcome, everyone, to this week's edition of Everyday Connection. I have here with me tonight. Jean Victoria Norlock. How are you, Jean? I am fantastic, Rick. How are you? I am wonderful. And we're really excited to have with us this week Mr. Paxton Roby, author of No Time for Karma. Hi, Paxton. Well, good morning, Rick and Jean. How's everything? Oh, it's wonderful. A little warm. We were talking about that before the show. Uh, Jean's in Canada, of course, and uh, Paxton and I are down here boiling in the uh, New Mexico and Texas heat. And I'm freezing. <laughs> so all together on the call, we ought to just about be comfy. <laughs> Absolutely. It's the, it's the average that counts. That's right. That's right. Well, Paxton, we, we generally have sort of an open-ended question that we start with, and I'm going uh, to skip right over the who are you and what do you do uh, uh, and, and spare you trying to compress that into a, a short story because it's uh it's quite a long and interesting story and we want to we want to hear some really cool parts of it. Uh there is a story that I heard you tell once through YouTube um with our show being about everyday connection. It's not just I often say, you know, okay, you're standing in line at the grocery store or drugstore and the people in front of you are being silly and you're getting angry. How do you apply your spirituality? But uh, it also counts with how do you take it to work? How do you take it to, you know, in the car when you're driving? And I know that you had an interesting experience, uh, kind of early, uh, I, I guess, in your in your career when you were working for an airline. And uh, I think it's just one of the most perfect examples of uh, of everyday connection that I've that I've heard in a while, and I was wondering if you might share that with us. All right. Um, th- there are what I call moments of grace when, you know, we're trying to increase our spiritual understanding in order to improve our lives. <clears throat> Sometimes we get little bonuses. We get little... Um, I, I refer to them as moments of grace, uh, where it's not our own doing, it's somebody else's doing, where um, magic happens. And I have come over the years, having had a number of those, as most people have, and some people don't even recognize them, but most people have had those experiences. And over the years, um, I, I've come to see them as kind of normal, and I've come to see them as uh, perhaps our best form of guidance. Uh, sort of uh, an experience will happen that, that everything works and is magic, and you say, this is what I'm supposed to create. This is my guidance telling me you can do this. And my experience was very much uh, that way. And it was just something that just happened. None of my doing, none of my doing at all. I used to joke and say uh, a friend of mine had uh, given me Ram Dass's book, uh, Be Here Now. And I read that book and I thought, wow, my life changed. Everything's great. It was just because I read that book. Uh, obviously, there was a lot more to it than that. But <clears throat> my life did start to work at the airline. Um, I was uh, uh, an engineer. I was the fleet leader 
for the old 707 aircraft fleet. And so my responsibility was uh, on-time departures, any, any mechanical engineering uh, failures that caused the late departure w was my fault. Um, uh, economics, uh, economical flights, everything working well. Uh, so I, it, it could be a very stressful job. You're uh, always uh, being watched to see how your fleet is performing. And um, all of a sudden, just out of the blue, uh, my fleet started working perfectly. It became the best operating fleet in the airline, and it became the best operating fleet in North America in all airlines. And the rest of my life followed suit. Everything in my life worked perfectly. Uh, I remember I had a 1960 Chevy that, that I drove around. It was uh, a pretty uh, decrepit car. And for a five-month period, everything worked great, and there was not one problem with my car. During that five-month period, my first wife made the comment later, during that time, I was actually a nice person to live with. And I thought that was really a good uh, uh, kudos uh, to get. Absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, everything worked well. Um a little other magic began to happen. Uh, I used to talk about the Be Here Now book with my secretary. We talked a little bit about metaphysics and things. So it wasn't totally, uh, she wasn't totally surprised when weird things began to happen. And she began to bring people to sit by my desk. Um, and, and she would not tell me why she was doing this. She would just bring people up and say, have a seat. And we didn't talk about anything. I didn't know why they were there. And then in a few minutes, they would leave, and she'd bring somebody else up. And after a couple of weeks of this, I, I approached her, and I said, Peggy, what in the world are you doing? What's going on here? And she said, well, she had noticed some funny things happening. <clears throat> and um, she said, uh, uh, last Tuesday, I don't remember the people's names. I didn't know most of these people. Uh, said, uh, Bob uh, sat by your desk there, and when he came in, he had a really bad cold. And when he left, the cold was gone. And um, she said, uh, yesterday I brought Mary in, and she sat by your desk for 15 minutes. And she had a doctor's appointment this morning, and the doctor said they could find no more trace of her cancer. So these things were going on. Unbeknownst to me, none of my doing. This was nothing that I was even aware of was happening. It went on for five months. <clears throat> and then um, I, I had a dream. I, uh, all my life I've had dreams that were telling me what was going on, uh, sometimes prophetic, sometimes just uh, uh, things that I had to work through, letting me know what I was working through. And this dream uh, was was quite um, plain language dream instead of all the symbolism and stuff. And in this dream, my guides told me, uh, you have not been doing this. You may think that you were doing it, and you may think it was because you read a book, but that's not the case at all. We were doing this on your behalf. And the reason we were doing this was to show you what you could possibly attain in this lifetime. And this is the rest of your life. This is your job to uh, get yourself to a point where you can attain this uh, type of life. And then I had another dream which was not pleasant, uh, in which I was uh, told, well, actually... A woman interpreted this one for me, and uh, she was exactly right, unfortunately. Uh, it was a dream where my uh, new daughter, who was three years old, was being ripped in half, and half of her was uh, being shredded and thrown away. 
And the lady that interpreted the, the, the dream for me said, oh, that's wonderful. That's your ego being ripped away. Uh, yeah, thanks. Um, and that became what happened for many years <laughs> following that. Uh, you know, some people refer to that as the dark night of the soul, where every belief system you have which does not serve you uh, gets taken away from you. Everything that you were striving for in that life, and I was very success-oriented at that stage of my life. I wanted money, I wanted position, uh, and I got shown exactly how I didn't really want all that, including going bankrupt, um, including I, I started a, a business on my own, and um, it, it failed, and you know, everything went wrong. Lost my marriage, lost my house, lost my business. Uh, everything was, was destroyed. Now, that took a number of years for that to happen. <clears throat> and then the resolution of that, uh, I was actually sitting on my sofa at home, uh, at 2 o'clock in the morning, one night, uh, the sofa the bank now owned, and I was so distraught, I said out loud, if there's anybody out there, is it all right if I kill myself? There have been two times in my life in which I heard an audible voice. This was one of the two times, the second time actually, and the voice was very gentle and very calm, just two words. It said, not allowed. And that, of course, destroyed me. I had no way out. I was totally uh, devastated at that point. And six hours later, at 8 o'clock in the morning, the phone rang. It was a spiritual teacher, Carol Parrish, who lived not too far from where I lived, and she said, Spirit just told me to call you and offer you a scholarship to our retreat, which begins tomorrow. Well, you know, when we get to the point of total surrender, where we absolutely know our intellect has no answers for us, can't solve any problems for us, that we are dependent on that which we are one with. We are dependent on spirit. Uh, and if we try to make decisions separate from spirit, it's going to get really bad. When we surrender, which I had done, I had no choice, nothing else left, I had no answers whatsoever, then the universe steps in. So Carol Parrish called me. I uh, This retreat was to be at a lodge on a beautiful lake, about 60 miles from my home, and I had no money. I said, I'm just going to drive over there and I'll sleep in my car. And, you know, maybe somebody will buy me a hamburger or something. As I walked into the lodge, the public address system came on, and the desk person said, Paxton Roby, please come to the front desk. I went to the front desk. He handed me a key and said, somebody has paid for your room and board. Here's your room key. Well, spirit, you know, can save us. Nothing else can save us. But spirit will really turn my life around there in a few hours. And at that retreat, you know, and the energy is, was so high as it is, you know, on a wonderful spiritual retreat. There was a woman giving free astrological readings. Yeah. And I said, boy, you know, that's exactly the amount of money I have to pay. So, so I went for my free astrological <laughs> reading. And I fell in love with this woman the instant she opened her mouth. She looked at my chart and she said, you've been through hell. I thought, this woman is good. And then she proceeded to tell me for 30 minutes, if you stop resisting life, here's what lies ahead for you. And she outlined the rest of my life, which has been unbelievably blessed. So I, I 
you know, that, that taints everything I believe. Uh, I believe that we must step aside, and when we step aside, spirit steps in. If we believe we know anything, spirit says, okay, we'll wait. You know, when you get through thinking you know anything, then we'll come in and tell you how it really is. And spirit will bail you out the moment that you surrender, total surrender. Right? So that's that's kind of my, you know, my, right. my grace story. Yeah. That's an amazing story, not to uh, uh, play on the word grace. Uh, but uh, I know you... Uh, you mentioned that that was the second time that you uh, heard a distinct voice, audible voice. What, uh, uh, if I might well, ask, what was the first was, time? I, I've, I've heard voices in my head. I think we all hear voices in our head and guidance. And sometimes we just think it's our thoughts, and sometimes we know it's not our thoughts. But <clears throat> when I was working for the airline... Uh, I used to go out uh, in my car at lunch hour, sit out in the parking lot, and, and meditate. And I was out there one day uh, during my lunch hour, kind of uh, leaned back in the seat, just sitting there relaxing. And a voice came into my head, and it said, Do not let 707 go to Hawaii this is St. Louis speaking. And I didn't have any clue as to what to do with that. Uh, we had daily flights from St. Louis to Hawaii with the 707 aircraft, so that didn't help me at all. <clears throat> so I went in, and uh, at this time there were like five or six of us that had our little uh, metaphysical group in the engineering department and would uh, sit around the lunch table and talk about strange things. So I told them what I got, and they were saying, we think this really means something. We think we need to pay attention. So they tried to uh, help me, and um, they would meditate on it, and they would try to figure out what does this mean. We need more information and that sort of thing. And uh, one day, uh, one of my uh, colleagues, an uh, engineer that I worked with, came in, and he said, I was in the laundromat last night doing my laundry, and there was a copy of the National Enquirer, of all things, lying there, and it had psychic predictions for whatever the next year was. I didn't remember the year. Um, and among the ten psychic predictions that this fellow had put out was an airplane taking off from St. Louis on December 11th will crash and everybody will be killed. So we thought this must be quite significant. So we began um, guiding each other in meditation, doing a little psychic work, examining the aircraft in our minds, looking for problems, and we found the aircraft we found an aircraft with a hydraulic problem. And um, we thought, now, we can um, repair that problem. We know the hydraulic pump that's going to fail at a critical time on takeoff. And we can go ahead and, you know, we, as engineers, we have the right to change parts out on the airplane. And then we said, well, now, wait a minute. Uh, if we change it out, and everything's fine, how will we know that any of this meant anything? So we said, we're going to go back into our meditation. We're going to ask uh, guidance. We want the aircraft to be safe. We got the guarantee that aircraft would be safe from guidance. And we said, and we want to know that this was valid. Everything that we've been experiencing here was valid. On December 11th, uh, I was walking by the maintenance operations center where the director of uh, aircraft maintenance was on duty, and he was extremely excited, and he was calling people. And so 
I just stepped in his office and, and waited uh, to find out what happened. Turned out an aircraft in St. Louis, a 707 aircraft, had been put on pilot training for that day. They would do pilot training different locations. Mostly we did pilot training in Dallas, but sometimes uh, pilots would need a few more hours of instruction. So an aircraft had been put on pilot training. On pilot training, the aircraft is totally empty. There's no baggage. There's no passengers. It's an extremely light aircraft. On takeoff in St. Louis, the hydraulic pump failed. The flaps retracted by themselves, which does away with a good portion of the lift of the wing. And if the airplane had been loaded, had been heavy, mm. it would have crashed. It was light enough that he could just fly around and land again. So we got our confirmation on that. Then another interesting thing happened. <clears throat> uh, a little bit later, we got... Um, we kind of became a psychic, psychic safety group, and so we began uh, watching our aircraft fleets in in our meditations. And one of the fellows came in and said, here's the problem. Um, we got to do something about this. And the rest of us verified that. We got the same information when we went into our meditation. We said, how are we going to do this? You know, we are allowed as engineers to route an airplane for maintenance if there's something wrong with it. We're not allowed to route it for maintenance if it appears to be a healthy aircraft. So we didn't know what to do. We said, well, let's risk it. We went down to the vice president of quality assurance, a fellow that we knew, we were friends with, and uh, we went in and we said, uh, we have a problem. Uh, we've been doing psychic exploration. There's an aircraft that's uh, going to uh, be in trouble. We need to get it routed for specific maintenance. And he he turned white, and he said, no, no, don't tell me about it. He said, you have my permission to route any airplane using my name anywhere you want, anytime you need to, but don't tell me about it. So... <laughs> We could use his name from then on to route aircraft for maintenance. So it was routed. Part was changed out. Part was overhauled, found to be defective. Uh, and so far as I know, there may still be a psychic, psychic safety committee there at that airline. There was when I left the airline. That's amazing. And um, uh, just just to be clear uh for everyone um you are indeed a, a a could you say classically trained engineer um educated on facts and formulas yeah, I have and a science in engineering physics um i love physics um and i've done engineering work all my life done aeronautical engineering and mechanical engineering electrical engineering at one time i was the only uh, certified solar engineer in the state of Oklahoma back before solar was popular. <clears throat> so, yeah, that's that's uh, been my livelihood. Hey, I have a couple questions now. <laughs> um, yes. That's, see, I, yes. I didn't listen to that story ahead of time, Paxton, so that I could hear it fresh. Rick told me that that story might come up, but he didn't give me details. Um it's incredible, absolutely incredible. And I have a few questions for you with regards to that. How many people are talking that that were involved with this psychic group that you were dealing with? And, and assuming that they're also all scientists, engineers, technicians, people you wouldn't necessarily think to be interested in that kind of science. I'm just wondering how many people. I think we had four engineers. Um, of course, we had the vice president of quality assurance against his will, uh, <laughs> and we and uh, our secretary. Uh, she was quite a, a good psychic herself. So, uh, five of us, or six if you count the vice president. Um, 
Now, were you just dra- naturally drawn to each other? Or yes. Did you, yeah? yeah. You, you didn't go out seeking. Go to what? You didn't go out seeking for these people. They just... Uh, no, but all my life, and I'm sure everybody's this way, you know, we're drawn to people of like mind. Uh, just walking by somebody, if you hear them talking about something you're really interested in, you might stop and and join the group. So these these people were, and this again plays into my how I see life on the planet right now. Uh, these people were um, closet metaphysicians, maybe. Uh, turned out they read lots of books and and things, but they didn't necessarily talk about it too much, uh, and in those days you did not. That was, uh, I remember when Shirley MacLaine's movie, Out on a Limb, uh, was aired on ABC. Overnight, that changed the entire environment at work. All of a sudden, people would now come out of the closet and talk about uh, things that they had been afraid uh, to talk about before. So that was kind of a, of a turning point. But uh, these people, we we became very good metaphysics friends. Uh, we didn't, you know, socialize or other things like that. But well, I did with one of them, but not most of them. So it was just a uh, a gathering of like-minded souls. Right. So there wasn't a, a project listed one day uh, locate metaphysicians and engineering. Department. Yeah. <laughs> No, I, I saw my one of the guys reading Ram Dass's book, and so I stopped and asked him about it, and he got me a copy. You know, so then we were connected. I, I think my reason for asking that was to to, yeah. to get the point across to to listeners that um, once you've asked, once you've discovered um, that you have that connection, people are just going to come into your life and you don't have to go out actively searching for people who think like you, who see the world as you do. They will just naturally gravitate towards you, um, which is which is why I wanted to ask the question because I've, I've seen that happen so many times, never in such a random incident as that. And the story is absolutely incredible to me. Um, but... Wow, it's just, again, confirmation, right? Absolutely. If I could butt in right quick, we do have a question in the chat room. Uh, Kevin's only going to be on for another 10 or 15 minutes, and it's a great question. Um, He says, Paxton, I know that most answers lie within. Is there a, quote, key to, quote, tapping into source for practical, everyday, in quotes again, application. There definitely is, and that is the subject of all spiritual teaching from the day man first arrived on this planet. Go as far back in the Vedas as you can go. All master teachers, all gurus, all spiritual teachers, it's all about silence the mind so that you can hear the voice of spirit. So it's referred to as meditation or uh, I'm kind of a modern guy. I'm kind of an engineer, even when I'm meditating. I believe uh, the objective is to silence the mind. Uh, Now, I took the Silva Mind Control class, which taught me how to control my mind. And that's what it's all about. So in that, I learned not only silent meditation, where you're totally open, but problem-solving meditation, such as we used at the airline, uh, so that you could have an objective when you went into uh, meditation. But the whole objective is um, stop pretending that we are separate. Um, Stop believing that the logical mind has to come up with all the answers or there are no answers. Start trusting that answers come from somewhere else. 
Start believing that we are not separate from the universe. It's not us against the universe, us against the economy, us against our family. It is remembering, returning to a knowledge of our all being connected. And the only way that happens is to quiet the mind. Now, most people in the West don't want to be told to go meditate, can't stand to do that. I'm kind of one of those people. I I love to walk in the woods. I love to walk by the lake. Uh, I love to walk by the ocean. And in those moments, I can let my mind so focus on nature that the monkey chatter in my mind, what am I going to do about this, what am I going to do about that, who, who said this, who did that, who what if, all that stuff that runs off in our mind all the time goes by the wayside, and then we get inspiration. It's very interesting how 99% of the inspiration we get we think is our own thoughts. We think we came up with that. I certainly know I couldn't come up with 99% of what's happened in my life in the last 20 years. That had to come from somewhere else. So there's also, um, we have modern scientific methods of getting the brain to stop its monkey chatter and put it into a meditative state. And I use a lot of that. It, it's, there's uh, hemisync. There's tones that we can use which <clears throat> synchronize the hemispheres of the brain. The Monroe Institute, Robert Monroe, came up with these many years ago. Now there's many... Um, places that you can get uh, theta brainwave frequency sounds, uh, alpha brainwave frequency sounds, that uh, I go to sleep to that every night, and it produces amazing results. <clears throat> so, yes, the answer is yes. There is uh, one way to do that, and that's take control of your mind, uh, stop the chatter, listen for answers, Believe that there are answers. If you don't believe there are answers, you aren't going to get any. Just believe in the possibility that there could be answers, that I have guides that can see tomorrow, and because they can see into tomorrow, they know much better than I what path I should be taking today. I'm, I'm blind. I can't see the next minute without the use of guidance. So how would I know what decision to make? I don't know whether the economy is going to even exist tomorrow or anything else. So it's all about discover our oneness with our guidance. Discover our oneness with the spirit realm. However you want to do that, there are just many ways to do that. I know both, both of you, Gene and Rick, are right. and so, our channels, and you uh, uh, have your own little technique that you use to get yourself in that space, which people might want to hear how you do that. It's true. I, I have a pen. Um, and that's, um, I, it took me stumbling on to, I'm going to call him a best friend now. Um, my sensei, um, much respected older brother who just got right frustrated with me one day because I had to listen to people for a year telling me I needed to meditate, and I just, I couldn't do it. I could, I tried so hard, and he finally just, you know, he just looked at me and said, what do you think your writing is? What do you think you're doing when you write, when you paint, when you go sit under a tree? What do you think that is? And I, I just, I looked at him, you know, he said he has two students who um, meditate best when they play really loud, obnoxious rock music but they come up with some brilliantly creative stuff out of that. And it's not angry creative stuff. It's it's beautiful, artistic, um, you know, mind-blowing, heart-wrenching material that these guys can create out of listening to really nasty, loud rock music. And that was my, I think that was my tipping point was, oh, I'm already meditating. You know, I... I'm doing that already and I don't have to do it somebody else's way and I think that's that's probably been one of my biggest messages of late. It's been trying to get people to understand that yes, you have it in order to listen to 
listen to the voice. You have to connect with the voice. Um, but it, it's it's an individual thing. It's very individual. It's very personal on how you connect. And if you do it with a paintbrush, if you do it with a pen, <coughs> if you do it, you know, as you said, walking in the bush. I know lots of people who go for walks in nature, and that helps them connect. Um, then do that. And keep if it works for you, do it. Uh, you certainly don't need to sit quietly in a room with your legs crossed chanting om. Although for some people that works. You know what I mean? It's just... Um, it, it was scary for a year that I tried to do it somebody else's way when I was already doing it. Yeah, anyone that says you have to take that Eastern tack meditation, if it if it flares up for you, find some other way. I walk. I uh, I found one day online somewhere somebody who talked about the walking meditation, and I thought, yay, I'm off the hook. Because I really never classically meditated uh, and um, uh, uh, find it difficult. But I can go take Molly for a walk, my little pup. We can go outside, and in two minutes, I'm I'm in a very quiet spot. Um, Kevin, if, if you're still uh, on the line for just a moment, uh, did you have no, a follow-up not, not question? Really. Hi, Hi, Kevin, uh, how are you? Good, thanks. Another beautiful day in paradise here. Uh, no, I I appreciate the answer. I just the only thing I would add is the follow-on to your to your answer was good. You know, how do you reduce the clutter? And I think that's always my difficulty is removing that clutter from what's up there. So thank okay. you. You bet. Kevin uh, sponsored a retreat that we did out in California on the Pacific Ocean a few months back, and that was just a marvelous, just to walk by the Pacific Ocean is just, you just can't stay in cluttered mind while you're doing that. It's just a fabulous experience. So true, water is so healing. Mm. Yes, love love the ocean. Spent many years working on it. Thanks so much, Kevin. So, All right. wow, um, I'm, I'm kind of, I, and this this very rarely happens. Um, since since I'm, you know, I've said lately I'm going to be generally, honestly me. I'm going to go back to that first question now that I'm able to talk about it. Um, the first the first thing you talked about, Paxson, I actually had to type to Rick privately that he was going to have to ask the next question because you had me in tears. <laughs> um, that in, in you talking about getting to the point of, of needing to surrender and just really kind of throw your hands up and going, okay, I I really can't do this on my own. Just, I give up. Um, and, and the reason I was in tears is because I I was not so long ago sitting on my living room floor, um, curled up, bawling my eyes out, and and I got exactly the same answer you got, which is no, you're not allowed to book out just yet. <laughs> Even though I was begging, I really was. Um, I was like, please, now would be a good time. I'm, I'd just like to go home. I'm done here. Um, and and it was immediately after that that things began to flow for me again. And it's not the first time that that's happened. It's you know the second or third. Um, I've had some really crazy experiences in my life as well, and which is odd because I'm really young in years, but um, I've run the gambit <laughs> already. Um, how do you find people react to that story? And, and is it really necessary for us to, because this is what I'd like to really help people get past the idea of is that, it's not necessary to get to the point of losing everything before you have to throw up your hands and say, I I don't need to do this on my own. Help me. So what would you say would be the best way to get people to the point of understanding, with, you know, you don't have to get to that point of losing everything? It's really about releasing our self-worth. Now, that's a strange statement, but that's 
That's what it's all about. Our self-worth, our true worth, comes from one reason, one fact. We are part of the divine. In the human experience, we're so desperate for self-worth, we grasp at anything people tell us. They tell us your self-worth will come from working hard. Your self-worth will come from your education. Self-worth will come from owning a certain car. Your self-worth will come from running in the right circle of people. All of that has to go. And anybody that you talk to out there in the world, not talking to spiritual students, if you're just talking to the average Joe on the street and say, would you be willing to give up everything that your self-worth is based on in order to be eternally happy and at peace? The answer is obviously no, because they think happy and at peace comes from getting a promotion, getting more money, marrying the right person, having the right job, living in the right place, and that's just erroneous material. So, yes, we can go directly to the goal without struggle if we are willing to release everything our self-worth is based on and replace that with the true understanding of the nature of the universe. The nature of the universe says you are not a separate being. You don't have to make your own living. You are not separate. You don't have to fend for yourself. It's not your job to find the right relationship. These are just mistaken belief systems. And if we, first of all, I, I say we're in a halfway house. I say we did not make a mistake by incarnating into this planet. Anybody who incarnates into this planet brings their karma with them. Now, their karma is their mistaken beliefs, as well as their gifts, their talents. So, we are doing what I call karma yoga. That is facing our demons every day. And our demons are all related to belief systems we really want to release and replace them with divine belief systems. The other half of our halfway house is we're spiritual students. And we've read all this, and we've listened to all this, and we've meditated, and we've communicated, and we've got inspiration and guidance from who knows where. Now, how do we correlate that? How do we be in the world but not of the world? How do we live in this halfway house? Well, I think you have to honor your karma. That is, when challenges show up, the ego's way of handling challenges is run from them, seek everything good, avoid everything bad. Spirit's way of handling challenges is see that they are nothing but ghost-like images based on false beliefs, and then when you release the false belief, the problem evaporates. Now, we've all had that happen. We don't want to give credit to where it was. We say, boy, I was lucky that time. Boy, man, I don't know how I got out of that one. But we have all had those experiences. So, spirit is responsible for every aspect of our life simply because we are spirit if we try to deny spirit we're denying ourselves so we 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 get nowhere that way so if we want to avoid the struggle and attain the goal have the willingness several ways i said 
have the willingness to be harmless. That'll just come up all the time. Oops, I got a choice to make here. Be kind, be harmless, be compassionate, be caring. Even if it costs me money, yes, money is not what you're after. You're after truth, prosperity, which is the whole universe, not one house and one car and one dress and whatever. We want all the stuff. Have have the willingness to be the person you know you can be in terms of being a human being. As a spiritual being, you're looking for hints. You're looking for clues. Know that as a spiritual being, your path is unique. Know that we're all on the same path, but our path is unique in terms of the individual experiences, things that we will encounter, understandings that we will attain. Always the universe is giving you signs, giving you hints. Always be willing to look at them, evaluate them, and say, I choose peace, I choose love, instead of I choose material gain. Now the ego is going to say, you sucker, you're going broke, you're going down the tubes. <laughs> and we have to say, okay, if that's the way it is, that's the way it is. But I don't want to do another 10,000 lives of struggle. I don't want to do another 10,000 lives to learn what I could learn in one week. So as we read our inspirational books, listen to our inspirational talks, do our own connection with spirit, let that flow through us however it flows through us, in art, in voice, in music, in writing, journaling, in speaking, whatever, <clears throat> as it flows through, we are looking for the kernel, we're looking for the essence Nobody has ever tried to heal another person, explain spirit to another person, when they were not working on themselves. Though so we think, oh, this person, I, I'll just explain this to them and then that'll make their life better. Well, it probably will just make them upset with you, but the explanation <laughs> will help you. Whatever we say to other people, whatever we write about, whatever we do, it's for us. Other people get it telepathically. They don't get it through the words. They get it telepathically. So <clears throat> we want to be watching our own words, watching our own thoughts, watching our own minds, um, saying how is this, always looking for how is this leading me to where I want to go. What part of what I just said to that person do I need to grasp in order for me to take my next step? I kind of like A Course in Miracles. It's one of my favorite documents. And it starts off by saying, you don't know anything. Total affront to the ego. But that's where we have to get. But it says, you only teach what you need to learn. I think that's an absolute statement. Any of us that are teaching anything, however we teach it, can be a painting, right? And that's other people are going to look at that and get something out of it. We look at it and say, what do I get out of it? So we can avoid all the struggle. Struggle's absolutely not necessary. And living in the halfway house, having a self-worth that says, I've got to defend myself. I've got to fend off everything bad coming my way. It's up to me to make my living. All that total erroneous stuff, you know, we have to be willing to let go of. Probably won't let go of it by, you know, breakfast time tomorrow, but we could. Uh, it probably takes uh, quite a while. Uh, one reason I like A Course in Miracles is it's 365 lessons. If I could do it in a one year instead of 10,000 lifetimes, I think that'd be pretty good. My co-author on my new book on um, healing, which I actually Paxton wrote specifically for me so I could get better. Because um, it was the only way I could get better was to, to 
write that book. Um, he makes reference to the Course in Miracles because the Course in Miracles is what got him on his feet after a devastating car accident. So um, I'm really pleased that you brought that up because I myself haven't read it, but perhaps it's time <laughs> that I pick that up. Well, it's um, it, it's written for the Western intellectual mind. Uh, there's there's three parts to it actually, two big parts. One is called the text, and that's you start reading that, and that's for people who've been relying on their logical mind forever. So here's the logical explanation of how spirit works, and boy, we we kind of need that. And then the lessons themselves say, don't think too much about this. It's going to blow your mind. <laughs> so just just read them. Just read it. Put it down. Tomorrow, read the next one. Put it down, and it will eventually uh, sink in. But it, it, it makes it quite clear. We've been seeking stuff we don't want. We want to release that. We need to be taught what it is that we do want. It, it says it is a course in mind training, and for me, that's certainly what it's been. Yeah, love it. Now, I haven't read the the whole thing or done done all of the lessons in a in, in a year, uh, but uh, I think it's an excellent text. And I I read this over mind control system uh, many years ago, and uh, I understand it's the Silva method now, but it's it's also sort of more Western and uh, would appeal to the engineering mind. My father was an engineer. I worked in engineering. Uh, uh, so I understand the engineering mind and the allergy to the words like meditation and um there is a there is a way out there for for everybody and I feel that we come across them and if you come across meditation and and transcendental meditation or whatever kind of meditation feels like it's attractive to you or it's interested to you then maybe that's your your road, or maybe it's just the road to your road. But to to take that leap of faith and say, okay, this is what I don't know why, and I've never heard any of these spiritual people talk about it, but this is what really interests me. I'm going to go this way. Um, is 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 sort of key there, and 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 remembering, and I hear it from. Uh, spiritually minded person after spiritually minded person is it's for me i do this for me um, channels you know look i do this for me it it's helpful for me um radio hosts even i do this for me um, and it's wonderful when when what we do helps other people and it very often does, but it's uh, it's something you would do that's even key, if nobody Rick, was that's listening. That's the key, Rick. Uh, You've got I would to follow be. your own bliss. You've got to do your own thing, no matter what that is. And you've got to believe your own intuition. You can't follow anybody else's path. Um, there, you know, we're I know all of us are on Facebook and YouTube and all that, and there's so many teachers out there saying, "Do it my way." And that absolutely will not work. It has to be, this feels right to me, this doesn't feel right to me. I have to do it my own way. There is, let me get a little extreme here. Everybody just kind of be patient. There is no right and wrong way. There is no duality. Uh, this is a world that is a training course. It is a earth school. It is a training ground. Uh, I'll throw in one of my favorite statements here. We may lose the audience, but um, if God is love and God is all-powerful, then nothing can exist except love. Now, obviously, the human senses say that is not right. There is tragedy. There is harm. There is bad stuff going on. And I remember being in school and having to take tests and saying that same thing. You know, I didn't like my teacher. I didn't like the test. I didn't like what was going on. 
But is it possible? <laughs> is it even remotely possible? And if you just ponder this for a little while, is it remotely possible that God is so powerful and so good and so knowledgeable, so understanding, so connected to us that no harm has ever been done? Now, I'm not saying anybody should believe that. I'm just saying contemplate, is that possible? perhaps right. see if you can be open and to the possibility. That's a perfect way to come to the end of our show. Um. It, it, it is. It's. Uh, there have been at least a dozen places where I could have said everyday connection. As, uh, as we were talking, it's been fantastic to have you with us, Paxton. I really appreciate you joining us. Uh, I know that uh, Erica in the chat room wanted to say hello. You're still there, Erica? Hello. 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 Oh, she may have herself muted. Hi, um, <laughs> Thanks for joining joining us tonight, Erica. Uh, folks, we do this little coffee clatch every Tuesday evening. We'd love for you to join you us sure, again. You're um, looking for Paxton? Um, you can find him at www.notimeforkarma.com. Perfect. Perfect. And if you're looking for uh, for Jane or myself, uh, archives of our shows, uh, calendar of our upcoming guests, you can find us at everydayconnection.me. So me. Uh, because it's about me. That's right. Confusing, we know, but me, 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 it's me, about me, me. Me, 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 which is also you. It's about by the way. I. We have to point that out. <laughs> which is yes, which is all, all of us, every single one. It's very confusing. I, I'm, I'm sure, but uh, I, I know it was confusing to me at the beginning. Dude, I'm years in, uh, and I'm. <laughs> Okay, it's confusing on, to me today. Let's be yeah, okay. It's confusing today. Right. Well, it's a choice in every moment. That's the uh that's the thing. It's an ongoing uh, I speak for a lot everyday of connection. I say thanks for this service. It's wonderful. We can all get little hints and little ideas and things that inspire us. Appreciate it. Oh, we're so just so pleased to um have you on the show tonight, Paxton. It was Thank uh, you very much. Breakthrough moment for me tonight, which is really cool, given that you know I, I am still learning every day, and grateful for for every new friend that comes along to um, share an experience and go, hey, did you notice? <laughs> did you see? So um, thank did you. Did you know? Did so you much see that? <laughs> to talk to us tonight, um, I'm sure that uh, we're gonna. I get I I get the pleasure of going through this. Show and, and pulling we, a whole bunch of clips from it, um, and, and writing a, a blog about the content. So, a reflection about it. I am so going to enjoy a reflection about it. Reflection You're going to have fun with that one. So thank you. You've given us so much to think about, and so much to ponder, and so much to rejoice about as well, and to celebrate. Thanks. Absolutely. All right, folks, join us next week. Uh, David Cole is going to be our guest, and we'll have another uh, fun time exploring just what's really going on here and how through all of what's really going on here you can try to maintain your all. everyday connection. Thanks, everybody. Good night. So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life, the only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details.
So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life. The only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details.